Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. I was asked by my three-year-old daughter this week if Santa Claus is real. (laughs) Yeah, this question is one of those questions that many parents dread as much as how are babies made. (laughs) But in our house, my wife and I have an agreement that says that we will never lie to each other or our kids, especially when it comes to our kids. We just tell them the truth but at a level that they will understand. This is just good policy since it has ramifications later in life. For example, if I was to tell her that Santa Claus is real and that he'll be sliding down our chimney in a month or so, how will she believe me when I tell her that Jesus is real and you can have a saving relationship with him? So I told her that Santa Claus was a real guy that lived many years ago, but the big guy in the bright red suit driving a sleigh, pulling the, the, the flying reindeer around was, was not real. I quickly added that the, that the really cool thing, though, is that it is a ton of fun to pretend that he is real. We have a good time pretending that Santa actually does exist and brings us presents. Have you ever experienced something like this when you learn a truth about something that you would believe maybe even the opposite of before? For example, have you heard the scripture, cleanliness is next to godliness? Do you know where that is in the Bible? (laughs) No, you don't. You don't because it isn't in the Bible. (laughs) Well, this has happened to me when I I started looking uh, into the origins of Thanksgiving. I, I was taught a certain version of what Thanksgiving was in school. Rush Limbaugh said this about what uh, what we were taught. He said, "Here's the version you were probably taught. The pilgrims arrived here after the." arduous trip across the Atlantic Ocean. They didn't know why they were, uh, had no idea what, what, what to do. They, they had nothing. The, the Indians took pity on them. The, the Indians saw them and the Indians saved them. The Indians taught them how to do things that they didn't know how to do, like grow food and catch beavers and stuff like that. The Indians saved them. The, the pilgrims thanked them by growing a whole bunch of food and having a big feast. So the story of Thanksgiving that's taught is basically how without the Native Americans, there wouldn't be a country because the pilgrims would have died. At least the pilgrims were nice enough to pay the Indians back with a big Thanksgiving dinner. The real story of the pilgrims begins in the early part of the 17th century, though. The Church of England under King James I was persecuting anyone and everyone who did not recognize the church's absolute civil and spiritual authority, actually the state. Quote, those who challenged 
uh, eschatological authority, and those who believed strongly in freedom of worship were hunted down, unquote. This, this is in England in the 1600s. They were hunted down and imprisoned and sometimes executed for their beliefs. A group of separatists, who are people who, who didn't really want to be a part of this, first fled to Holland. They, they, they liked wooden shoes and cheese, I guess. And they, they, exta- they established a community there. They, there, um, there were there for uh, 11 years. So from the time that they left and the time that they got there, and they were, they were in Holland for 11 years. After 11 years, about 40 of these separatists, who liked wooden shoes and cheese, I guess, <laughs> agreed to make a perilous journey to the New World. They had heard uh, they had heard about it, and some new, exciting place that hadn't been developed, and this kind of thing. They they knew they would face hardships, hardships like like you and I don't know about. I, I and and I'm not preaching to you right now. I'm just telling you, I, we we don't know the hardship these people endured. We can't. We are way too advanced now. People who who lived in the 1600s would not believe life today. Try try explaining flight or or jet travel. They they wouldn't understand it. They they knew they would face hardships, but paramount importance to them was living freely and worshiping God according to the dictates of their own consequences, their own beliefs. That's what they were denied, the the freedom to do in England. On August 1st, 1620, the Mayflower set sail, and it carried a total of 102 passengers, including 40 of these separatists, the pilgrims. There were just 40 of them. They were led by William Bradford on the journey across the Atlantic. You talk about something that had to be frightening and scary, that would be it. The Mayflower was not much bigger than a 50-foot boat and 102 people on it. On the journey, Bradford set up an, an agreement, a, a contract, if you will, that established just the equal laws, the just and equal laws for all, all 40 members, all 40 members of, of, of the Pilgrim community irrespective of their religious beliefs, by the way. It didn't matter what their religious beliefs were. These are the laws they were all agreeing to live by. Where did the revolutionary ideas, these these laws, come from then? We're, We're talking about the Mayflower Compact. You may have heard of it. That is what Bradford wrote, the Mayflower Compact. And it was derived from the Bible, believe it or not. The pilgrims were a, a people completely steeped in the lessons of the Old and New Testaments. They were de- devoutly religious people, no matter what else is said about them, and and even that is denied. They, they, they were devoutly religious. They looked to the, the ancient Israelites for their example. And because of the biblical precepts set forth in Scripture, they never doubted that that their experiment would work. They never doubted that they would get to the new world. They they never doubted that once they got there, 
they would thrive. The journey was long. It was arduous. It was dangerous. And when they finally landed, when the pilgrims finally landed in New England in November, according to William Bradford detailed journal, they found a cold, barren, desolate wilderness in November. <laughs> Imagine New England as it exists today, as, as nothing but rocks, forest, uh, undeveloped nature in November and getting colder. There were no friends to greet them. There were no shelters of, of any kind other than hiding under a tree at first, right? There was nothing. It was desolate. There were no hotels. There were no inns. There were no places to clean up. There were no houses. I mean, this was real hardship. The sacrifice that they had made for freedom to worship was just beginning. During the first winter, remember, they arrived in November. During that first winter, half of them, including William Bradford's own wife, died of starvation and of sickness and exposure to the elements. Now, now we're, we're getting close to what you were taught in school here. When spring finally came, and by the way, what we just went through doesn't do it justice at all. The spring didn't just finally come. It was survival for them. It was an act of survival that you and I can't possibly relate to or understand. American forces can, maybe. I mean, military people who've been trained can understand what the pilgrims were, but you and I can't. We've never done anything like that first winter in the new world. They survived it. Spring finally came. They, they did meet Indians, you know, the Native Americans who, who were there, who, who did help them in planting corn and, and fishing for cod. They showed them where the, the beavers were so the beavers could be skinned for coats and, and other things. You, you animal rights people are not going to like some of this story, but it happened. But even at this, even with this degree of, of assistance from the Indians, the, the Native Americans, there wasn't any prosperity yet. They had the Mayflower Compact. They had these laws that, were, that they were living by, and, and there was no prosperity. And, and, I, and, and, and they wondered why. I mean, now, now this, this is important to understand here. Because this is where modern American history lessons end. With the Indians teaching the pilgrims how to eat and how to fish and how to skin beavers and all that. That's where it ends. And that's the feel-good story. But that doesn't even get close to the true story. You know, Thanksgiving is actually explained in some textbooks as a holiday for which the pilgrims gave thanks to the Indians for saving their lives. It wasn't that. That happened. But Thanksgiving was a, a devout expression of gratitude. The pilgrims to God for their survival and everything that was a part of it. Now, now here's the part that has been omitted. The original contract that the pilgrims entered into in Holland, they had sponsors. They, they didn't have the money to, to do this trip on their own. They, 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 had, 
they had sponsors. They were they were merchant sponsors in London and in in Holland, and these merchant sponsors demanded that everything that the pilgrims produced in the New World would go into a common store, a, a single bank, if you will, and that each member of the pilgrim community was entitled to one share. So everybody had an equal share of whatever was in that bank. Uh, all of the land they they cleared, uh, all of the houses they built belonged to the bank, to the community as well. And, and they were going to distribute it equally because they were going to be fair. So all of the land that they cleared and all of the houses that they built belonged to everybody, belonged to the community, belonged to the bank, belonged to the common store. Nobody owned anything. They just had an equal share in it. It was a commune. <laughs> it's basically what, what they had here. The pilgrims established a commune, essentially. I mean, the, the forerunner of the communes we saw in the 60s and 70s out of, out of California, right? I mean, it, they, they even had their own organic vegetables, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the pilgrims were the forerunners of organic vegetables. <laughs> Of course, what else could there be? No such thing as processed anything back then, right? And now William Bradford, who had become the the governor of the colony because he was the leader, recognized that this wasn't going to (laughs) work. This this was costly and destructive, and it just wasn't working. This was collectivism, and it was socialism, and it wasn't working. This first winter had taken a lot of lives. I mean, the manpower was greatly reduced. So William Bradford decided to take bold action. William Bradford, the governor of the Pilgrim community, saw that none of of this was working. The Mayflower Compact was not working giving everybody a single share of stock in the common store and in the common bank was not working. Collectivism, it was was as, as costly and destructive to the pilgrims as it is and has been to anybody who is, who has ever tried it. So, so Bradford decided to scrub it. He threw it out and took bold action. He, he assigned a, a plot of land to each family. Even, even family was, um, every family was, was given a, a plot of land. And they could work it, they could manage it how, however they wanted to. And if they just wanted to, to sit on it, let's say, they, they just wanted to sit on it and get fat and dumb and happy and lazy, well, they could. It was up to them. If they wanted to develop it, if they wanted to grow corn or whatever on it, they could. If they wanted to build on it, they could do that. If they wanted to turn it into a a, a quasi-business, they could do whatever they wanted to do with it. He, he, He turned loose the power of the capitalistic marketplace. Long before Karl Marx was ever born, from the, the the pilgrims had discovered the experiment and and experimented really with with what could only be described as socialism, and they found that it didn't work. 
Now, now it wasn't called that back then, of course, but that's exactly what it was. Everybody was given an equal share. You know, you, you know what happened? Nobody did anything when they were just given an equal share. When it, when everything uh, had had equality, nobody did anything. There was no incentive there. Nothing worked. Nothing happened. What Bradford and his community found was that the most creative and industrious people had no incentive to work any harder than anyone else, unless they could they could utilize the power of, of, of personal motivation. But while most of the rest of the world has been experimenting with socialism for well over 100 years, trying to refine it and perfect it and reinvent it, that's not what the pilgrims did. The pilgrims decided early on to just scrap it permanently, to, to not try to, to, to weaken it at all. It's just throw it out. What Bradford wrote about this social experiment should be in every school child's history lesson. If it were, we might prevent such needless suffering. If the true story of Thanksgiving had been taught for years and years and years. So William Bradford, after putting everybody in in a common store, the Mayflower Compact, they wanted it to be fair. And they wanted everybody to have one common share of stock in everything that happened to the pilgrims and, and, and what they what they produced. And it bombed and it didn't work. And there was no prosperity. There was no creativity because there was no incentive. Here's what Bradford wrote about this, this failure. He wrote this, quote, For this community, so far as it was found to breed much confusion and discontent, unquote. They were not happy, in other words. Quote, this community was found to breed much confusion and discontent and retard much employment that would have been to their benefit and comfort, unquote. I mean, in other words, nobody worked. The way they set it up killed and discouraged work. There was, there was no need. For for young men that that were most able to fit uh, and fit for labor and service, they just sat around and did nothing. They they should spend their time and and strength to work for other men's wives and children without being paid for it. Why should they do that? So they didn't. That was thought injustice. Why should you work for other people when you can't work for yourself? What what's the point? Do you do you hear what what he was saying? The 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 pilgrims found that people could not be expected to do their best work without incentive. So what did Bradford's community try next? Well, they unharnessed the power of good old free enterprise by invoking capitalism, the principle of private property all the way back in the 1600s. It was incredible. Every family was assigned its own plot of land, and they could do whatever they wanted to do with it. This had very good success, wrote Bradford, for it made all hands industrious. So as much more corn was planted than otherwise would have been, he said. 
So when profit was introduced, when the opportunity to prosper was introduced, it went gangbusters. I mean, that, my friends, is the essence of the true story of Thanksgiving. Now, this is where it gets really good. If if you were laboring under the misconception, like like I was, that the, the things I was I was taught in school. So so they set up a trading post and exchanged goods with the Indians after they had enjoyed this prosperity. And it was not the Indians that brought them to prosperity. It's it's not said to, you know, I'm not saying this to, to insult anybody. The, the Indians uh, assisted in their arrival undeniably. But what led to prosperity for these individual settlers was the common store failed and socialism didn't work. It's when they introduced what turns out to be capitalism. They didn't have the, the name for it, of course. But when they, when they turn loose individual incentive, you know, keep what you produce, sell what you don't need type thing, well, it went crazy. This is not something they were taught by anybody by self-experience. It, it, was, it was not the Indians, not of, of this, uh, you know, none of this is, is said to put anybody down. I, I want to make that clear. Don't misunderstand this. The Indians did a lot of things to help them, which I'll get to in just a second. But it, it, was, it was their own industriousness. They set up trading posts and exchanged goods with, with, with the Indians. They sold stuff to them, and those profits allowed them to pay off their debts to the merchants, the sponsors in London and in Holland and, and whatever you want. The, the success of that colony after they had abandoned socialism and tried what was essentially capitalism, the word spread throughout the old world, of this massive amount of prosperity that was there for the taking in the new world. And guess what happened? The new world was flooded with new arrivals. The success and prosperity of the Plymouth settlement attracted more Europeans and began what came to be known as the Great Puritan Migration. And and all it took was prosperity. And the word spread across the Atlantic Ocean of of how there was prosperity and, and it was there for the taking. And all you had to do was get there and give it a shot. The lesson is, the true story of Thanksgiving is, that William Bradford and his pilgrim community were thanking God for the blessings on their community. After, after the first miserable winter of a documented failure brought on by their attempt at fairness and equality, which was socialism, it didn't work. Only when they abandoned it did it work. And, and, and I need to say this again because I don't want people to misunderstand and get their, their nose out of joint that the, the, the Native Americans, the indigenous people, whatever you want to call them, they were of considerable assistance. They were friendly when the pilgrims arrived, but they had little, if anything, to do with the prosperity that occurred because that was the result of Bradford and, and the pilgrim leadership deciding to change their structure, the, the Mayflower Compact. Now, now Indians assisted. Naturally, I, I can't deny that. I mean, they taught them how to fish 
and this kind of thing. And they, and they didn't know how to do it. And, and, they, and they led them to be productive, undeniably so. But it was the pilgrim community itself that experienced this massive prosperity. The word of which spread all the way back to the old world, Europe across the Atlantic Ocean. Now let's focus on a Native American by the name of Squanto. Now, as I said, during the winter of 1620, only 44 out of the original 102 pilgrims survived, including their first elected governor of the colony, John Carver, and it was an Indian named Squanto that came to their rescue. Now, Squanto was was no ordinary native. Uh, early set, settlers in 1610 had captured him and, and sold him into slavery. And a group of, of Catholic friars actually freed him and and brought him to England, where they learned to uh, where he actually learned to speak English. And in 1618, serving as an interpreter on an English ship, he was brought back to the New World. And it was Squanto who is a, a famous Native American in his own right in the Pilgrim story. And it was Squanto who taught the, the Pilgrims how to plant and to fish and how to skin beavers. And it was Squanto who, who brokered a peace treaty between the Pilgrims and the, and the other Indian tribes. I mean, there was, there was more than one Indian tribe in this area. It, it, was, it was not copacetic by any means. Uh, it was not friendly, and and it and it uh, they were not at one with nature, as you hear so often here. It was not anything like the multiculturalists that would have have you believe this kind of thing. Uh, they they there were plenty of squabbles. There was power struggles, turf battles. I mean, it, they, they're human. The Indians and the Pilgrims, everybody was scrambling for power and for and for survival. So survivability was the name of the game, and it was not guaranteed. And now. You know, many of the pilgrims literally believed that God had sent Squanto, Squanto to save them. And they believed, the pilgrims believed, that without Squanto, they never would have survived or thrived. And they experienced a tremendous harvest in 1621. And that's the big gathering that is taught in the history books. The, the native Indians and the pilgrims joined together for a huge feast, which is the foundational story of the Thanksgiving story that's taught in public schools. But again, that is not the real story of Thanksgiving. That's a textbook brand. It did happen. Yes, it did. It did happen. But it's so much more than that. One of the most important legacies of early settlers is that they... They experimented with socialism in, in the 1620s, and it didn't work. Private property rights and personal responsibility, two pillars of a free market economy, saved the, the, the Plymouth colony from extinction and laid the economic foundation for a free and prosperous nation that we all enjoy today. Now that is the true story of Thanksgiving. Now you may not have heard that before. You may have heard that before. You may not have heard that before. And you may have even heard, you know, about how uh, the pilgrims were these nasty people who, 
who brought plagues and, and disease and virus and things like this. And it just devastated the, the Native American communities. And wow, wow if, if, they, if, they hadn't, if they hadn't done all of this, wow, you know, this, this would have been just such a great utopian place here in the Americas. You may have heard a lot of things. But if you actually go back and you actually do the research, you actually read William Bradford and, and, his, and what he wrote about all of this, if you actually look into the truth about this, it gives you a better perspective on what we're seeing today. Because what are we seeing today? Today, in today's world, in, in, in our society today, we see, we see plenty of people who don't want to work. I mean, how many times have you seen, you know, now hiring signs in the windows of, of, of your local businesses? How, how many of those businesses are spending hundreds and, and thousands of dollars uh, of, of their advertising dollars, not on advertising their brand, but on trying to get people to work for them? I mean, how they're, they're, in today's day and age, we have a, a real labor issue of people not wanting to work. And why should they? Because of these, quote, safety nets, unquote, it makes it so that people don't want to work. When you dilute capitalism and you go more toward the socialism type of economy, this is what you're going to get. And we see it played out with the pilgrims. And we should be giving thanks that they actually did the right thing. And look what happened. That is the true story of Thanksgiving. Now, you may agree with that and you may disagree with that. I would love to hear from you. And I would love for you to have a very happy Thanksgiving. Remember, UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.